This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Total Saints Podcast, episode 54. We're the dedicated weekly podcast going to the heart of all things Southampton FC. The three of us are together as normal and ready to reflect on the goings-on of the last few days since Ralph Hasenhutl took over as Saints manager. Well, we do have an exciting new manager who appears full of passion and enthusiasm. Some things don't change, sadly. Individual defensive errors and lack of points. Yet, we'll discuss the fallout from another woeful Saints performance in the 1-0 defeat against Cardiff. We'll also look ahead to next weekend's St Mary's fixture against Unai Emery's Arsenal. Before we get going this week, some intimations to run through. Firstly, the three of us were very grateful for all the positive feedback and comments on our last episode 53, our Hazen special. I only posted it online first thing Friday morning, but as of now, roughly six 60 hours later, it's already become the most listened to episode we've ever had. Um, well over 1,600 listens. So very grateful to everyone that's uh, taken the time to both listen to the podcast and feedback to the three of us. We're really glad that everyone found it informative and well put together. And I'd just like to give Luke, James, Archie and Chris another shout out for their help in making it such a success. Secondly, as many of you will know, we're on Patreon now and open to support from any of you who like to become TSP patrons and support our own podcast production. Matt Kemp became our latest patron this week, so a really big thanks from us to you for your generosity, Matt. For further details, if you're interested, can be found at Patreon, which is patreon.com slash totalsaintspod. Lastly, with everything that's been going on at Saints this week, we've not had the time to do Tiff's Total Recall from Chelsea in 2015, but I do hope to catch up with the Saints archive chaps and hopefully Steve this coming week and sort it for next time out. But it was good, Adam, to see that Tiff had his uh, furry dice up in the car on the way down to Cardiff, even if they didn't prove lucky in the end. Did you see the photo? 
I did see the photo, and he put his score prediction on the dice, did, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, very, um, very clever. But yeah, I mean, unfortunately, Tiff was was far too optimistic. I mean, the the reason Tiff comes on once a year is to counterbalance us, obviously, with his his optimism. Oh, yeah. counterbalance you anyway. Um, <laughs> Uh, but unfortunately, uh, yeah, it just didn't quite pay off. Yeah, just for the record, I said they would draw down at Cardiff. Remember that. So uh, there we go. Right, let's get on with the pod this week. This is Total Saints Podcast, episode 54, in partnership with saintsworld.co.uk, saintsarchive.com, and proudly sponsored by happyhottubs.co.uk. Happyhottubs.co.uk At Happy Hot Tubs we specialise in hot tubs. It's all we've done for 35 years. So if you're thinking about a hot tub and want to speak to someone, then we're the place for honest, clear and friendly advice. Plus, right now we have 0% available on our hot tubs, meaning you can spread the cost in easy payments. You deserve happy. Come and get it at Happy Hot Tubs. Conditions apply. Visit happyhottubs.co.uk Happyhottubs.co.uk 0% excludes free throw range. After Arsenal's appointment last Wednesday, hopes around Saints and the fan base were positive ahead of the trip down to Cardiff City this weekend. But alas, in wet and wild conditions, Saints provided yet another soggy and dull display of their own, losing 1-0 in a big six-pointer, largely thanks to yet another defensive howler. Not the start that we were looking for, really, Adam. I think uh, there was a fair bit of hope around when Ralph took over, and, uh, you know, albeit recognising he's only had 48 hours in uh, charge, it wasn't a great start, eh? Well, it wasn't the best of starts, but I mean, we can hardly <laughs> hardly blame him for it. Oh no, it. totally, um, I wasn't. I, that's why I said, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just the way it is. I mean, I, I mean, I said on the uh, on our episode fifty three, Hughes out, Harson Hutu in special. That ultimately, the the limiter for for the manager is always going to be his players, and that was the concern that I had in in a squad in, in the middle of the season where no huge surgery is likely to take place to the squad. That you've got the same players that have. Um, that have been struggling for you know best part of two years. Mm. So he's not going to walk in the door and turn it around. That said, you kind of wondered if there might be a bit of a bounce factor. But I think Steve's uh, said in the past and has even produced some stats to prove that sort of the bounce factor is kind of a bit of a myth. Generally, it doesn't really uh, tend to exist most of the time. And yeah, I think that just underline the job he's got on his hands and uh, his sort of afterwards his demeanor afterwards compared to to the way he was on thursday reminded me of mark hughes last year when he came in and was so he was so buoyant and confident and you know very very self-confident you know almost in disbelief that the manager before him could have done such a poor job but then they got smashed at west ham in his first game and afterwards the look on his face was just like Oh, this this is not what I expected. Um, maybe I don't know whether Ralph feels the same or not. Um, from from the feedback I've picked up, I think he's tried to pick them up quickly, uh, tried to be positive, and tried to sort of say to him, "Look, that was just what it was. That's almost you know not my first game in charge in a way. Let's forget about that. Let's move on now. We've actually got a, a clear week. Arsenal on the Sunday, not the Saturday either. They've got a lot of training planned this week. I know that. Um, they're going to be in a lot." Uh, working a lot on what he wants them to do. And then they've got that same build-up sort of time for Huddersfield as well, pretty similar amount of time. And I think that's when hopefully we'll begin to see sort of his influence on the team uh, more than we did at Cardiff. Um, for, for all of that, there were some positives at Cardiff. There were the first hints of them attempting to play in that style, especially the first 20 minutes of the second half. But as I said, the limiter is going to be the players. We've seen every centre-half combination uh, come in and make mistakes so far this season. And um, yet again, we had that. Errors at both ends of the pitch, really. But obviously, 
Vestergaard's one that costs a goal being the most high profile and, and how do you stop players making individual mistakes it's very very difficult I'd love to see the bounce stats in general against the bounce stats versus uh, Saints, as Fulham proved the other day, Adam. But uh, yeah, 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 as uh, Adam said there, Steve, you have to go all the way back to 2004 for Paul Sturrock to find the last Saints uh, Premier League manager who won his first Premier League game in charge. And uh, 63% possession, 12 shots, but only uh, one on target again. So I know you were down there as well watching it. We didn't necessarily come close to, to winning. I, th- I think most people probably agree a nil-nil was fair. But uh, if any team looked like winning it, it was probably more Cardiff than us. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I mean that's that would be solely on first half chances. I think where they created two or three presentable opportunities, but I mean they've got they've got no quality in the final third either. And I mean again, all of those chances weren't carved out from them uh, doing anything particularly good. It was us largely presenting the ball to them. Um, I mean Bednarek, I thought was the best of what actually is a pretty inexperienced back four that we put out on uh, Saturday. Yep. Um, but even he. Um, dallied on the ball and presented the ball to um, Patterson, I think it was, relatively early on and got bailed out by a combination of um, Valerie and McCarthy. But it was a weird first half in that it showed how bad Man United were against us last week, that um, you come down to Cardiff and Jan Valerie looks like he looks like he should be playing Sunday League. Mm. And I mean, he got just just got torn to bits by Murphy down that flank in the first half. And I mean, it's a proper mercy substitution at half time. Yeah. Um, absolutely the right thing that had to be done. Just getting torn to bits. But he was completely untroubled against a team that start of the season people were saying, oh, well, they bought well. They might they might challenge for the title. It's like, mm. well, no, they're just dreadful. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, defensively. <sighs> I mean, what what more can you say for for all these individual mistakes? I mean, if it's not Hoot, it's Vestergaard. If it's not Vestergaard, it's Yoshida doing doing something. I mean, at least Yoshida's ones aren't. I mean, he was kind of at fault, I guess, for Lukaku's goal um, last week. But so his ones are either getting caught slightly out of position or just being bullied off the ball. Whereas the ones that Hoot and Vestergaard are. are have been thrown in this season have been just completely unfathomable how a player how players at this level can make those sort of elementary mistakes it's just lack of concentration mm. um lack of belief in themselves i don't know but i mean also with vestergaard's one you you would think that professional player team game you take one for the team if you he's obviously scuffed that back pass to um back to mccarthy um, Patterson's come in. He he knows that he's not he's not going to stop him. Um, wait, well, or at least he's not winning the ball back. So just rugby tackle him. It literally doesn't matter. You could he's still ten yards outside the area. Take take the hit. Take the red card. Hold your hands up. Say sorry, lads. I screwed up there. But the game's still nil nil. Um, they've got a free kick thirty yards from goal, which they'd shown no real aptitude to um, doing an awful lot from. Um, from those sort of situations so realistically we'd probably be able to hold out for the draw yeah I know we've um, criticised Cedric and Bertrand a bit haven't we this season but uh, you know I guess you miss their experience in games like that Steve because um, Josh Murphy is obviously um, you know a winger that you know will create chances but um, again Valerie and uh, and Target wasn't particularly impressive either was he so as you say for for a big game like that you, you know sometimes you do need experience in those games that can just deal with the pressure a bit better yeah, I think so. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's that comes down to that mentality thing. You you've got players who have played in played in these sort of big games before. Um, I mean, Target's played a few, but not many. Uh, Vestergaard would have played a few big games like that in Germany, I guess, yep. for for Munchen Gladbach. But I don't think they he'd have come up against a team 
that play in the way that Cardiff play. Mm. They don't really do that in in Germany in the Bundesliga. There's no, there isn't a, a sort of really direct team that play with um, two two target men and um, play essentially play for corners and long throws. Yeah. Um, did make me laugh in the first two minutes or so. Uh, Valerie knocked one out for a th- for a throw in, thinking oh, that's fine. I'm just just clear my lines. Aaron Goodison trots across to take the long throw, picks up a towel um, with the with the theory of oh, I'm just going to dry the ball here so I can I can uh, wang it in as far as I possibly can. And of course, it's been pissing with rain for the last two hours, um, so that towel is absolutely soaked. He picked it up and just loads of water dripped off it. It's like. Yeah, that's going to work, mate. Um, and it, it barely got to the edge of the area, I think. <laughs> um, I mean, on the goal, Adam, I was, I was going to come to it in a bit, but as uh, Steve was talking about it, I mean, it's the, yeah, again, really laughable if it was against Saints, but sort of terrifyingly embarrassed when it's uh, us doing it, really. But I was, I was trying to think this morning, it was maybe under nines or under tens, I think, where I learned, if in doubt, kick it out. And, you know, why we're trying to play a fancy back pass with a player on our back in wet and windy conditions is uh, beyond me, especially when you're an international defender. Surely you just beat in the stand, don't you? Bet you're thinking that this morning, anyway. Well, I learned never to do back passes when you were in goal. Uh, those were the solid back passes as well. So, yeah. well, goodness knows what could happen. Which, um, which was your strong foot, by the way? I never, re- <laughs> I never wear that out in the end. How, and, and also, how many own goals were you credited with? <laughs> I did, I did bag a few own goals. That is true. Um, and uh, yeah, not all of them were Ben's fault, if I'm totally honest. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the Vestergaard, it was, a, it was just a horror. Uh, horror moment wasn't it and uh, well it would have been fascinating to see had he have uh, done what Steve suggested and just brought down Patterson quite what John Moss would have done because he was so far behind the play sort of still dwelling in the centre circle with his um, indecisive advantage or whatever he'd given that I did look up because I thought (laughs) he did not play advantage there there is no way he played advantage there Um, even if even if he put his arms out um, after the ball's rolled into the back of the net, he he, you can see on the camera, um, the camera angle from behind the goal. He puts his and, uh, the whistle to his mouth, doesn't he? Yeah, he's got he? the whistle to his yeah. mouth for about ten seconds, thinking, "What do I give here? Yeah. I've got no idea what I'm doing." Yeah. <laughs> just pathetic, just dreadful. I don't know what. I honestly, if Vestergaard had brought him down, I don't know what he was gonna gonna do because he was he was so far away from the play. He was like uh, well, the linesman would have been closer. Yeah, mm. definitely. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was just another, it was a horrible moment, wasn't it, for Vestigar? Just, just absolutely terrible. And, um, both he and Bednarek had, had really sh- looked very, very vulnerable against any kind of pressing. Um, yeah. they had given the ball away consistently and, and defensively, like you said, I mean, Valerie, poor, poor Jan Valerie, uh, young lad. And, and I, I mean, I often make this point to, to people who, who kind of, whenever Saints are struggling, always say to me, play the kids, play the kids. They can't do any worse. And I say, well, they can, yeah, they can. actually. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, poor, poor Valerie was, was absolutely, um, yeah, I mean, he was tormented, and obviously, being on a on a booking, uh, we, I think everybody could see the writing was on the wall as to what was going to happen in the second half. So, so there's a change that had to be made. Mm. But just defensively, I mean, um, in his press conference before the game, Ralph obviously said uh, that he'd watched a Tottenham game, and oh, there's some some fairly obvious things that need tightening up, and, and like the goals they've given away, for example, but. But the truth is actually stopping individual mistakes is difficult. And we've had this rotation of centre-halves and it's been, you know, 
it, the, my defense for, for Mark Hughes was sticking by Wesley Hood the whole time that he did, um, to, you know, much maligned, which I understand because Wesley was making mistakes, uh, as well, was I think just that they're all going to make mistakes because none of them probably, uh, are sort of so good that they're going to stop that. And we don't have one standout center half that then your other center half kind of raises their level by playing alongside them and they kind of bail the, their partner out of trouble quite a lot. Yeah. So, I think he just thought, well, how are we ever going to stop these mistakes if we don't actually allow the guys to get some games under their belt? So I've got to pick my best two and give them a run because otherwise the alternative is he makes a mistake, we chop him, we bring in the next one who hasn't played for three weeks. He's inevitably rusty. He makes a mistake. We chop him. We bring in the next one. And you just have this continual merry-go-round of, of central defenders, which, lest we forget, we have seen recently with other managers, um, the, the famous centre-half Tombola that we used to speak of. <laughs> I mean, what do you do? I think I think um, the manager's just got to kind of do what Hughes did, but, you know, hopefully it pay dividends of, of just selecting a couple of centre-halves who he thinks are the best pairing that he can get out there and actually just stick with them and let's have a bit of consistency and a bit of a consistency in selection if we possibly can because I don't think the chopping and changing is helping either. So I think he's just got to pick whichever two he thinks are the best and stick with it. i got to say, um, I know we've given him a bit of stick on the pod the last few weeks, but I thought it was good to see Charlie Austin with his arm around Jan Valerie having a word as they were going off at half-time. I think he'd realised as an experienced pro that he'd had a, a tough 45 minutes. But, I mean, Adam makes a, you know, the point there, which I think lots of us agree with, Steve, which is, you know, we've got five centre-backs now. Not one of them looks like they're really, you know, Premier League quality in terms of consistency. But for, for me, it's just, it's, it's, it's the basics they're not doing. It's you know, I know individual errors are one thing, but as you said there, Bednarek trying to take the ball down in the first half, it's like just head it away. You know, he tried to take a touch and then gets nipped in and Vestergaard again with the back passes. But for me, the, the frustration is that it's it's sort of basic footballing mistakes they're making. It's not, you know, world-class stuff where they're being outwitted by strikers that are causing these goals. No, you're right. And um, yeah, I mean, you, it's one of those, as a manager, you must, um, if you've actually got any head and you're kind of tearing it all out. And Bednarak was probably the best of a best of a pretty bad bunch yesterday in that that one where he tried to bring it down and got pickpocketed. I think that was that was the only mistake he really made, yep. whereas the others were fairly consistently bad. Um, I mean, Bednarak, Bednarak bailed out Vestergaard on at least two occasions in the first half in terms of Vestergaard being a good 15, 20 yards out of position. And Bednarek's had to come across and and cover for him. And I have to um, say, I, I rate Bednarek. I actually think yeah. he's a decent player, and I think he's improved a lot from when he joined us, hasn't he? So. Yeah, and that's been the the most baffling thing is that we've had this merry-go-round, and yet he's not been on it in this in any way, shape, or form until um until yesterday. I think he's played like one other game all season. Mm. How is it? the case that players are just completely discarded for weeks on end. I mean, we obviously saw um, Romeo come back into the side, played, what, 20 minutes on, on Wednesday and then um, and then started yesterday. And he'd been out in the cold for, for a number of weeks and people expecting him to be up to speed uh, straight away, which he's never going to be. No. Um, I mean, he's never, never the quickest anyway. And um, him and Hoiberg, um, I mean, their past completion rate for... Um, for yesterday must have been way down. Mm. I mean, Hoy- Hoiberg's generally one of our best passers, but um, the number the number of times the two of them just gave the ball straight to straight to a Cardiff player, um, particularly first half, was just terrifying. It's like how how do you get get yourself into that mentality where you just can't pick out a teammate? 
And I was uh, I was reminiscing this morning, Steve, because of the sad life I lead. Um, that's 30 Premier League goals we've conceded now. And I was, uh, well, the point really of it was, I was trying to remember or recollect one that I felt the, the opposition had worked particularly hard for, you, you know, that they genuinely sort of banged one in from 25, 30 yards or had sort of outwitted us, so to speak. But I mean, every sort of goal I seem to think back through this season was, was sort of soft from our point of view, really. And that's, that's sort of, again, the frustration is we're shipping goals, but you know, throughout the season, they, so many of them have been frustratingly easy for the opposition. Yeah, and I mean, if you swing it round the other way, there aren't there aren't an awful lot of goals that we've scored that have been presented to us. Mm, mm, I agree, which is which um, has often been the case with Saints the last few years, and that's kind of you, you sort of hope at some point it might even itself out, but it never seems to, does it? No, well, I mean, it's, it's like the old adage that refereeing decisions um, even themselves out over the course of the season. Mm. They just don't. If you're if you're down there, you do not get the rub of the green at either end of the pitch, mm. um, whether that's from decisions or whether that's from individual errors. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, we're in that rut at the moment. And I mean, as as Adam said, I think Ralph is probably going to wake up in cold sweats on Sunday morning, <laughs> thinking sort of this isn't quite what I expected it to be. No. Um, but we've now basically got two full weeks mm. of time where he can dedicate to whatever it is that he sees as the key issues. Realistically, that's, that's probably going to be at both ends of the pitch. I didn't think we were too bad on the ball yesterday, but the keepers had barely one save to make, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I mean, the, our, our best chance, to be honest, for, uh, came because he flapped at one and tried to Phoenix from the Flames recreation of um, Jordan Pickford's screw up from last week. <laughs> Yeah. Um, which then Lamina, I mean, as is as is the way with basically everybody in front of goal at the moment, just had absolutely no composure whatsoever, mm. and just slashed at it over the bar. Yeah. But I mean, we had a lot of we had a lot of play in the second half. But other than the two massive penalty appeals, which I mean, let's face it, they just were penalties. Other than that, we we've not really given them a massive amount to think about. Yeah. Um, we've had sort of possession in good areas. And obviously they've they've had to keep themselves in a um, sort of tight unit, but in terms of actually sort of deserving anything out of the game, I think a point was um, was about the maximum we were going to get from that really. Yeah, um, I appreciate Hazen Hutal wasn't going to come out and uh, be skipping and uh, talking all excitedly, Adam. But it was, I guess, worrying to a certain extent that maybe you know he'd, he'd realised the, the size of the job that he'd come into, as you mentioned with Mark Hughes at the the start. But uh, I think throughout the course of that 90 minutes yesterday, he'd suddenly realised maybe the reality of the the job that he has on his hands with Saints. He, obviously, I'm sure he he thought about um, you know kind of the dream start that he might get and, and things like that, and, uh, but. The, the reality of, of the situation and, and what the, the size of the job that we all knew for sure that he had on, but you can't be certain that he knew mm. for sure he had on. He might, he might have done it. I don't know. But, um, I guess from the outside looking in, uh, from a distance as, as he has done, it's, uh, you know, and we certainly heard it with Mark Hughes, as I mentioned earlier, that kind of, oh, this lot are way too good. They're, they'll be fine. There's not really a problem. They just need somebody to come in and sort them out a bit, yeah. basically. And I'll, I'll come in and do that. Um, I think his ambitions are are beyond just sorting them out a bit. I think he, you know, and that's what I think we've all been so positive about is that we think, well, oh, here's a guy who really thinks he can turn this, this kind of club around, not just this squad. And, and that's great. And I'm sure that's what he's going to be trying for. But in the, 
in the immediate future, that's more of a long-term goal, but in the immediate future, it's obviously keeping them up. And they're, you know, but blunt truth is 16 games, we almost had half the season. They're five points behind Cardiff now. <laughs> and uh, that's that's worrying because I think Cardiff are going to go down. Yeah. They're, they're pretty pretty bad. So they are in a difficult situation. And the, their immediate job is to find a way to sort of arrest this uh, slide before we get to the stage Um which, let's be blunt, is probably not too far away if things don't turn around, where, uh, you know, a revival might almost be too late. Um, mm. Or, you know, or might be, be you know, a, a huge revival suddenly required. So there's a lot to do. And I, I think he struck a, a good tone afterwards. He was still, um, he was still trying to be positive where he could. But, but and he'd be also, um, I think as well, it would have been, uh, crazy had he come out and, and tried to be like overly positive i thought he was very honest he just said yeah uh, when i asked him he just said no we didn't deserve to win yeah um you know I, i'd heard some of the others sort of you know b- bemoaning their luck a little bit but he was like no you can't make those mistakes at this level and expect to win basically it's not acceptable to make those mistakes and i thought well okay yeah that's that's kind of the tone i think you need to strike and that's kind of the message he needs to be giving to the players um frankly he i think he with a lot of them he needs to be quite hard with them and to try and raise the levels of which they feel is acceptable i think there are some players and we can we can think of them all some in the team some not who will have their own personal standard and level which they will always attempt to get to whether they manage it or not they will always attempt it and some who maybe whose efforts have been less enthusiastic and so uh, I think it's good that he's gonna. He seems like he's gonna be demanding. So it was a bit difficult. I mean, I don't really know what else he, he kind of could have said. But yeah, I mean, it might it might have been that sort of slightly rude awakening as to in that short term job just just how big a task he's got on his hands. I thought it was pleasing to see in your first ever match report with him, Adam, that he actually said, "We either win or we learn." You know what I asked him? Did you learn a lot today? And he he just came straight out with it. Brilliant. That's, I'm yeah. proud of you for doing that. Thanks, mate. So uh, good. I mean, someone so I saw someone said last night, and it made me sort of positive and negative. Is that I guess the way you got to look at it as Saints fans now, Adam, is they effectively need 30 points from 22 games, which doesn't sound that bad. But then you think, well, hold on a minute. That means winning half of their games now, really, effectively. So. The pressure's on, isn't it, because of the, the start we've had to this season. And, uh, you know, I, I think I'd heard maybe it was Adam Blackmore tweeted today, say the players were in training today, Sunday. So he's, he's obviously keen to, to really, as you said, get stuck into them and uh, really start working on some stuff straight away. Yeah, I think he's um, I think they'll have one day off uh, on Monday, probably. And I think they're in every day up until Arsenal. So, I mean, there's no there's going to be no respite from him until this turns around, I don't think. Um he is going to be really, really pushing them, um, I think, which which is is what they need, I'd suggest. So, yeah, yeah. Um, that's, I mean, in terms of the points total, obviously, it's always very hard to call at this stage. And I think it's looking, again, like like last year, kind of saved in a way, partly by the fact that the points total required was uh, surprisingly low, or maybe it shouldn't be a surprise anymore, I think. This year it's going to be low. I mean, we've we've spoken several times. I mean, nine points from sixteen games is is well, it's pitiful, mm. and um, only second bottom, <laughs> and still only a win from not even being in the bottom three. So it would suggest, you know, on current form, what they're going to need twenty two points or twenty four or something like that. I mean, I'm sure it won't end up being that, but um, it, it might not be as many as kind of people think it's going to be. But the point is that when you've got nine from 16, um, even getting to 30, 32, 
um is going to take a bit of doing because mm. you've got a suddenly you've gone half a you know they've virtually gone half a season now and I, i've written in my verdict piece the thing that the the main problem that hassan hutu has to contend with is that this poor form is is not a blip this is a trajectory now because it's so long in the making it's been yep. you know struggling for so long i think some i saw somebody tweeted they've you know if you took the last 38 games that they played in the premier league as a full season four, they? they've won f- four i think yeah that's right and i mean that well i mean that's again that's not a blip that's a trajectory mm. so he is fighting to turn around kind of a trajectory um, which is really, really tough to do uh, rather than, t- you know, fighting to turn around a blip in form. But I said it the other day, um, we've just got to give him uh, every single chance we can um, um, and just back him and, and uh, keep faith and believe in him. And, um, you know, I said I was on uh, Radio Sonant last week and oh, it was on the day of the announcement and there was you know wild positivity amongst Saints supporters and, and I was kind of just sort of saying the sort of things I say here really that I think it's a good appointment I'm really positive about it I think it's great but these are the realities and I got a lot of Saints fans complaining oh you're so why are you being so negative oh you're so we're all so happy he's here and I'm like, well I'm just trying to be honest and reflect the situation you know it's not in football you, there's too much especially these days everything has to be black or white you either have to be positive and everything's great and nobody's allowed to say anything negative. And if you do, you're some kind of traitor or everything has to be absolutely crap and you're not allowed to say anything positive. Because um, if you do, you're just looking at it with rose tinted glasses and, and, and you Happy know, you're Cliffy. exactly. This does sound Actually, rather ironic in the way you treat me, Adam. <laughs> actually there, yeah that's true actually yeah fair point um but there are shades of gray aren't there yes sometimes um, yeah. and, and in football and and th- this is the thing with saints there's yeah and and the, w- the truth is he's got a lot to contend with and and it's going to be difficult for him but we just have to give him time and just hope that it happens because there's 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 literally no other options if this doesn't work they're down so we just have to get behind this and and just hope that it works as you say, the the kind of saving grace is, I mean, the fact we're not cut adrift, we're not even bottom. Looking at the table, there are seven teams who are on less than a point a game, 16 games into the season. Mm. I mean, that's just pathetic on all of their parts, including us, obviously. Um, so you've got Cardiff on 14 from 16, uh, Newcastle on 13, Palace 12, Burnley 12, Huddersfield 10, Saints 9, Fulham 9. I mean, Fulham have conceded 40 goals already this season. It's not Christmas yet. Even we, um, even I mean, we they, scored they, two against them, Steve, so they must be yeah, crap. I mean, they, they, are, they are on course to get very close to conceding 100 goals. That's not been done since Swindon. Even Derby <laughs> didn't concede 100 goals, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. That's good. Um, the one positive I'm thinking about is that I guess with Pellegrino last season, we started off slow. Uh, sorry, we started off quite well, and then um, you know the the sort of momentum went the opposite way, didn't it? I guess you're hoping this season that actually we can get into a bit of momentum with uh, Hazen Hutor and uh, sort of time it just at the right time. But I mean, the stats um, alongside what Adam mentioned there, Steve, they're starting to snowball in the wrong direction, really, because uh, as many will know, we're on our longest winless run uh, in all competitions since 1989, when we went 20 games without a win. We're currently on 14 um, and that was Cardiff's first clean sheet since August so they'd not kept a clean sheet in 12 games and then of course Southampton rock up and that changes I think the one that caught my eye Steve probably the most worryingly is that we've now lost to all three promoted teams this season as uh, I'm sure Adam will reminisce um, when you think that the fact of we've gone 
umpteen games without beating any of the top six. We've now gone our last nine games against promoted teams, not winning any of them over the last few seasons. So you sort of struggle to, to sort of work out where Saints wins are coming from if they're not beating the top six and they're not beating the promoted size, really. Yeah, I mean, it'll just be Bournemouth when they decide to bottle it against <laughs> us in, in April again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, other than that, yeah, God knows. Yeah, normally you could largely rely on us to at least get enough points on the board against the dross around us. But yeah, I mean, so far it's been Palace, Burnley and Newcastle should have been beaten because, I mean, they, I mean Newcastle just had no game plan whatsoever and yet we still couldn't find a way past them. Um, I mean, you got West Ham in, in 11th place now. Yeah, and they and they've been bloody awful as well for a lot of the season. Mm-hmm. I and mean, they're, they're they're a properly strange side at the moment. Without without Arnautovic, they are they are a complete lucky dip. Yeah. Um. So I mean, we're quite lucky in that obviously we've got them coming up sh- just after Christmas. Mm. Um. I think that represents an opportunity because they're they're beatable. Well, certainly more beatable without without their talisman. They're still a decent side. I mean, they've got players like Felipe Anderson, they paid 40 million quid for, who's, who's very good. But mm. there's still a lot of crap in that division, isn't there? Let's, let's face it. Yeah. Um, it wouldn't take a massive amount of improvement, either in the performance, in the concentration, or in the kind of just, just being, being a little bit more clinical at both ends of the pitch. And all of a sudden, we'd be 13th, 14th in the league. Yep. And everyone would be saying, right, OK, we've now, got, we've now got a base to work from. Let's forget this season ever happened and start again in the summer and see where we go. Mm. But even so, it's still a hell of a lot of work and a, and a lot of effort, I think, to see us even get into that sort of position at this stage. Yep. Just finally on the Cardiff game then, Adam. Um, Steve mentioned the penalty incidents earlier. I maybe wasn't as convinced as uh, he was on uh, particularly the Armstrong one. But uh, your view at the time on the replays, etc., what did you think? Well, I must admit, actually, I normally try and judge it on on what I see live because I think, well, when you when you see the replay, sometimes things are a bit more obvious. But I didn't where we were positioned at Cardiff, didn't actually have the best view of either of them, so I've kind of had to go a bit more with the replays. Uh, I I think basically on balance, when you've had two reasonable shouts, neither I would say absolutely hundred percent stone wall, but two reasonable shouts, you feel unlucky to not got one one of them, yeah, of the two. Yep. Um but when you actually look at the isolated instance, which is all you can judge on, blimey, they're both a bit fifty fifty, I would say. I mean the Armstrong one I, I honestly I think it's I think it's the way that's got he's gone down that's done mm. him, to be honest. It was just a bit overly dramatic, wasn't it? Mm. Um it kind of made it look um, less convincing than it was. Redmond, yeah, it probably was a penalty in actual fact, but it's one of those, it was so on the edge of the area. I don't even know if the referee for sure would have even given a penalty. Mm. Um, or if well, it's John, well, it's John Moss, so no. Yeah. <laughs> he, he was still he was still um, wallowing in the centre circle at the fact that he'd paid advantage for their goal that he couldn't <laughs> give it. So uh. When Neil Warnock was praising a referee, yeah. as he did yesterday, the yeah. only referee in the world, I think he said, who would have given that advantage, <laughs> or in the league, I can't remember which, but I was like, wow, yeah. this is a yeah. high praise indeed. But yeah, so... Yeah, but, I feel I feel they're a bit unfortunate not to have got one, but on both of them, I, I feel that they probably were just about penalties, but mm. 
but I could kind of see why they weren't given as well. So probably unlucky. No, weirdly, I was watching this, the uh, highlights on the Saints website again this morning, and uh, they don't show the Redmond incident for some reason, which, uh, yeah, I don't know if they uh, used up all their time or what, but uh, there we go. But uh, look, finally, I have to give a, a shout-out to Dan James at the Dan James. Um, Cardiff was his 200th consecutive game following Saints home and away since 2014. I know many will know Dan. He's a, a good lad. He does a lot with Saints Foundation. He's been on the podcast before. And, uh, you know, I have to say what a great effort that is. 200 games in a row, Adam. I know he went out to, you know, the likes of Hapoel, Beersheva and all those sort of places as well. But I don't, I don't really know whether I'm congratulating him or commiserating with him, really. Well, to be honest, what's wrong with him? Yeah. <laughs> Chose a bad time to go on that run, really. Yeah. 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 Well, then he got the Cumin season, didn't he? So that would have yeah, kicked, kicked him off to a good start. I think he said he'd. I think the stats said he'd won 73 and lost 77, so he's probably not done too bad, actually. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah. we've always been following Saints. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I, did, I, did I did a similar run starting from that Man City away game, last game at Main Road, just before the Cup final. Yeah. I did, I think, 115 consecutive. Yeah. Um. Nice. Which obviously um, took in 2003-4, where we were we were pretty good. Obviously, had, had our one one game in Europe in Bucharest, um, and yeah, a few other bits and pieces. But then was just a sea of misery. The game where it ended was, I think we had a midweek game at Burnley. Yeah, and it was like, no, I'm just not putting myself through that. <laughs> I'm done with this. I can imagine, I can imagine. And uh, yeah, I mean, having missed Fulham away, Adam, due to your trip in Mexico, I mean, you're up to a massive four in a row now, so you're doing, you're you're catching Dan up there? Yeah, well, I learned long ago the the error of trying to go to every Saints game. Yeah. I did do a couple of seasons, especially when I first started out, where I I didn't miss a game, and I did the pre-season tours. Um, I was watching the reserve teams and I was basically going completely bonkers by the end of it. So, uh, yeah, I, I soon learned that for the sake of my own sanity that I needed to miss it. So I, I aim to miss about my aim is about four games, maybe five per season. I think that's just enough that you 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 kind of pretty much are involved in everything that's going on but you actually retain some semblance of sanity come the end of May. <laughs> totally. So, no, well, joking aside, Dan, great effort, and, uh, you know, I'm sure many Saints fans will, uh, you know, appreciate the effort you've gone to. I thought as we had an opportunity this week with uh, no time to put together a proper total recall, we'd do a quick fantasy premier Total Saints Podcast League update. So uh, in first place at the moment, this is again prior to the Sunday game, Newcastle against Wolves, is um, Adam Kazem. Um, Adam got 73 points this week. He's up to 1,024 points, which is a fantastic effort. Second is Dom Cullender. He's on 1,009 points. Picking a few others out at... Uh, Random, uh, Andy Pate. Andy, hope you're keeping well, is in uh, 11th, so he's doing well on 941 points. Freddie from The Ugly Inside, who I spoke to last week, was uh, on 922 points in 14th. Um, 35th is my brother, Adam, so he's doing all right, 884 points, and then it's into us, really. So, Steve, you uh, you had a disappointing week, 27 points, I think, up to 877 points and in 40th position. So uh, I know you take your fantasy quite seriously, don't you? But Well, I take it seriously when I'm doing well, <laughs> less so at this stage of the season. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I've got a couple of points to come in because Alexander Arnold didn't play, mm. so a sub will come in there, and I'm hoping for Yerry Mina to score a hat trick from the centre of defence for Everton tomorrow night. <laughs> <laughs> Anything's possible, isn't it? So, um, yeah, I'm not far behind. I'm in 47th on 869 points. So I'm uh, what uh, eight points behind you, Steve. Um, the uh, the real star of this week for for Total Saints Pod was Adam Leach. Adam Leach, uh, 50 points up to 777 points. Adam in 113th position. So, uh, I mean, that Lukaku. Since you spoke to him at St Mary's last week, he's been on fire. Flying, absolutely flying. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I do. When you said in first place in our league is Adam, I was like, oh, <laughs> here we go, here we go. So I think you said I'd had a good week, but uh, not that good. Yeah, you're only about 250 points away though. So am I the last placed Adam by the sounds of it? Oh, I've not done that much research to be honest with you, but uh, no, I mean, look, 50 points is uh, much better than me and Steve this week. So. Congratulations. A couple others to shout about then. So Matt from the uh, Saint Delivery Pod is in 67th on 838 points. And uh, last position, 155th, is Daniel Marjoram on 521 points. But there's a long way to go, Daniel, so uh, stick with it and the uh, the TSP trophy could still be yours. Yeah, let me know who you want me to have a word with and I'll have a <laughs> word with them when they come to St Mary's. Adam Leach and Steve Grant, sponsored by happyhottubs.co.uk. If Ralph's honeymoon period as Saints manager is already over, then it doesn't look to get any easier for him after uh, the trip down to Cardiff with Arsenal next in town. Um, I was looking at the Arsenal record today, Adam. It's not great in terms of they're coming to St Mary's, uh, 14 Premier League games unbeaten. I think Steve said before we went live, it's 20 games in total. And uh, out of those 14 Premier League games, they've won 10 of them now. So uh, slightly worrying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's yeah. I like and, I like asking obvious questions. Well, and it's at St Mary's. Yeah. Um, and obviously, as we know, Southampton never win at St Mary's. Um, that's that's something that just does not ever happen. So, uh, yeah, it, it kind of has that feeling of it could be a long afternoon. That said, I mean they only beat Huddersfield one nil. Um, Huddersfield obviously showed um good fortitude. Um, and and by all accounts, from what I've read, they they play pretty well. So. It's going to be hard, isn't it? But I'd like to think that at the very least there's going to be a kind of hopefully a fairly buoyant atmosphere. Obviously, there'll be a warm welcome for, for Ralph um, before the game. And that and that kind of gives everybody a bit of a lift. And look, I don't think anybody's expecting really Saints to get a result. Anything they get will be a bonus, a bit like the point they get they got against United. If they got a point, that'd be amazing. Um, we would happily take that at this stage. So... Yeah, I mean, the big one, obviously, is, is pre-Christmas. Is uh, ha- Having let Cardiff slip by is going to be Huddersfield, and you kind of feel like that's a game now that, having lost at Cardiff, oh, they kind of... must re- win. He's going to say must win. No, he's not. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> nice try. But they they could do with winning. How about that? All right. Yeah. Ars- Arsenal are a funny side, though. Um, I mean, this, this season, while obviously the result is ultimately what matters... Um, they've kind of flattered to deceive a little bit. Um, I mean, they've got this, they've got this absolutely extraordinary record where they've not been leading a single game at half time this season. Mm, mm, wow. Yeah, not a single one from their 16 Premier League games, and they've won 10 games. Yep. That's amazing. Um, but if you look at the, um, if you look at the XG, the, the expected goal stats, they are way ahead of um, what they should be. So they've, they've scored 35 league goals this season. Um, according to, to, 
the expected goal stats, which basically are a combination of sort of position in front of goal, um, where defenders' positions are, how how the ball falls to the striker, whether it falls falls to them on their stronger or weaker foot, whether it's on whether it's a headed chance, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. By this uh, metric, Arsenal should have scored twenty four and a half goals at, at this stage. So there. How do you get half a goal, Steve? Well, basically every, every chance is ranked is given a score from point zero one to point nine nine. Right. Where point nine nine is basically um, uh, Jesse Lingard against Croatia, and point zero one is the keeper shooting from from his from a goal kick. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> which I mean, let, let's let's face it. That Be- that Begovic goal for Stoke against us mm, yeah. is waiting to happen at some point this season again. Probably against it? us, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, so Ars- Arsenal should have scored effectively 24 and a half goals. By that rating, they should have 25 points rather than the 34 that they've got. Mm. So they've been flattering to deceive a little bit. Yeah. Um, whereas, I mean, if you look at us, we're underperforming, underperforming in terms of goals scored. Surprise, surprise. Um, so we should have scored 20 goals rather than the 13 that we have. Um, and we should have conceded 25 rather than 30. Hmm. And we should be on 17 and a half points, hmm. which would put us above Brighton, uh, Newcastle, Burnley, Huddersfield and Fulham. Um, so it's frustrating because if you tighten up the sort of clinical, clinical things at both ends of the pitch, we're better than our position suggests. But yeah. Ultimately, you've got to stop acting like dicks in, in your own penalty area. <laughs> yeah, no, interesting. I, I think that uh, the goalkeeper scoring against us from the opposite end of the pitch is about the only thing that's not happened to us this season, isn't it? But yeah, I mean, you're right. That's, uh, I think, what uh, many of us have realised and uh, discussed, haven't we? The uh, the underachievements at both ends of the pitch, really. But um, look, I mean, you know, it's fair to say with Wenger moving on at the end of last season that Emery's sort of come in and really picked up Arsenal again, Steve. So what have you sort of made of him as a manager and... Uh, which of their players stand out for you? Well, it's, it's been interesting that he's um, sort of come in and hasn't really paid an awful lot of attention to the sort of big egos. I mean, obviously, famously, Mesut Ozil's been kind of on the fringes of things, really, for, for a lot of this season. I mean, supposedly been out with a back problem for the last couple of weeks, but I'm not sure anybody's really buying that as a as a, as a valid excuse. Like Ryan Bertrand? Well, yeah, possibly. I mean, it's it's one of those where... At the end of the day, the team's been playing well enough without him, so um, you don't necessarily need him. But I think when you're when you're paying a player 350 grand a week to not even sit on the bench, I suppose it it relates to us with Fraser Forster on whatever of salary he's on. The speculation is anywhere between um, 60 and 100 grand a week, mm. and yeah, he's not even getting a look in. I think Harry Harry Lewis travelled to Leicester, didn't he? As part of the um, as part of the squad, and yet Forster's nowhere nowhere to be seen. It's like, well, what's the point? Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, Arsenal they look better going forward than last season. Yeah. Um, obviously, he's managed to work out a way of um, getting Lacazette and Aubameyang to mostly play together. Although occasionally uh, Lacazette's been coming off the bench. Um, I think they're, they're weirdly their actual problem is is that sort of de- that sort of creative number 10 player because Ozil's not really been fitting fitting into the way that Emery wants to play. Um, Mkhitaryan is a more natural fit, I think, but he's been largely awful. Mm. Um, so as a result, everything's come down to um, Aaron Ramsey, who it seems is going to leave on a free at the end of the season, which seems absolutely mental. Yeah. 
Um, for me, the key the key thing with Arsenal is that they've finally, after about 15 years, addressed the defensive midfield position. Mm. Um, they basically at, at some point in the last 10 years, they would have won the league again had they bought a defensive midfielder at any stage in that time period, because they've always they've always had um, fantastic attacking players. And when you've got that sort of attack, it means that you don't necessarily need a great defence. Um, you just need someone that's going to protect it a little bit. Whereas the last five or six years, they've been an absolute shambles because Wenger just had a complete blind spot to that position. Um, I mean, he, he had an absolute open goal to sign Morgan Schneider. You just months. took the words out of my mouth. I was just going to say that when uh, you finished talking. Yeah, yeah, he was. He he would have been absolutely perfect for that team. Yep. And they would have been genuine title contenders with with him in the form that he was when he left us. He wanted to to go to London. Mm. That was why the initial Spurs rumours came in. Obviously, Man United's a bigger move for him. But if it had been between United and Arsenal, he'd have gone to Arsenal. Mm. But for some reason, who was the who was the young French lad um, that they had who was pretty rubbish? Um, Coquelin. Francis oh, yeah. Coquelin had like six good games at the back end of the season when they they already couldn't win anything. So they were most of the players were going through the motions, and a kid that they throw in throw into the side is obviously doing his best. So he stands out like a sore thumb. And Wenger thinks, oh no, this is fine. He's he's more than good enough for this t- for this team. And yeah, it turns out that he wasn't. Yeah, I was just looking him up here while we're talking. Where is he playing now? Valencia. There you go. Good. Right. In terms of Saints, then Adam, a lot for Ralph to work on this uh, week, as we discussed uh, already. So, where does he start with that? I mean, you know, we've spoken before about trying to shore up the defence, but likewise, you, you know, Arsenal aren't great at the back. I, I know they've just lost Rob Holden, who's been playing quite um, consistently for them as well. So, if you're Ralph, where are you starting with training this week? Well, you, you obviously Steve's uh, Steve's talk of you know he just needs to get in there basically and say stop defending like dicks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's the best. It's the best bit of advice yeah. we've heard for a long time. That's well, true as well. Yeah, Arsenal were a really good team, obviously, um, and I, I tend to think that to start with, Saints have got to worry more about themselves than the opposition mm. um, because. They, they can't win games against good teams, ordinary teams or poor teams at the moment. So uh, what's the point of, of really worrying too much about who you're coming up against? They, they've just got to get better themselves is the, is the main thing. So I think Ralph just has to start trying to implement the way he wants them to play. I mean, he, that's, that's all that matters, I think, is just trying to get straight down to business for him um, with the squad. Um as I said, we know that Arsenal are good. We know that it's going to be a struggle to get anything, but that you know, try and at least get on the right track. Try and make the start of that progress towards Huddersfield because that Huddersfield result, then of course it's West Ham immediately after Christmas at home. And as Steve rightly said, they you know you don't quite know what you're going to get from West Ham. The, those two games, Huddersfield West Ham, either side of Christmas, look like the two in this run that you're looking to get points from now with, with Cardiff having gone and when you've got Arsenal and then after that, well, they got uh, Chelsea, um, Man, Man City. Um, so that those are the two. So you just need to try and get a sense that you, you know, you're improving and you're kind of getting there for Huddersfield. Really? I think that's the most important thing for Saints, not to focus too much on the opposition, but try and get themselves going. 
I must admit, after episode 53, when we said and then you said the B word, I was uh, starting to think whether I should be marking these podcasts as explicit. So if you're a parent listening to this and uh, one of your children is listening to it, bearing in mind we've said and tonight, then I do apologise. But uh, look, the... Uh, you said it again. Huh? <laughs> no, sorry about that. I'll beep it you out. You it out. I'll beep, I'll beep <laughs> it out. Um, look, the other thing I was going to say, Adam, we, we've spoken before about not writing games off, and I totally you know, appreciate that. No, no Saints fan wants to do that, but... As we discussed, with Huddersfield and West Ham around the corner, is is the Arsenal game a chance for really Ralph to sort of try and get some ideas and some tactics into the player that they can sort of, you know, almost go out and test in that game ahead of West Ham and Huddersfield, which are probably the two that are more crucial? Yeah, I think it has to be. Because the thing is, if you go out and you're, you've got a new game plan and you actually play well, they're actually going to give themselves a chance to get something from Arsenal. So I think it just is good logic. It just stands to reason. That's absolutely the way to go. They've got plenty of um, time between the games at the moment so there's no uh, reason pre-Huddersfield they need to think about rotating or anything he's got time to look at the players I know the part of the what drove him to pick the team that he did for Cardiff was that he'd only had those two training sessions so he wanted to pick players who had been able to train in both sessions and that he'd been able to actually see um, you know, play a bit. So he's now got a lot more time to see more players. We're, we're hopeful Danny Ings will be back. Uh, Ryan Bertrand should be back available. Cedric should be back. Mm. Um, so the, the kind of will be more or less at full strength and with a week's training under their belt. Um, yeah, but make progress. And, and if they do make progress, then, you know, well, why not have a, have a go? If they, if they have made progress, then they've got a chance, haven't they, against, of getting something against Arsenal and, and, and more importantly, if you if at least they can feel that there's a bit of momentum, even if it's not ending in a result, if it's just a bit of momentum that, oh, yeah, we kind of, yeah, we're doing what this guy said. And actually, we can see this is a bit better. We, you know, the players, this is we feel, yeah, th- this is a bit better. This is going to work. And they've got that kind of buy in factor. Then that's going to count for a lot, I think, in Ralph's early days. So just try and get things moving in the right direction. Just finally then, before we do our predictions, um, two centre-back positions for the Arsenal game. Steve, where would you go out of the five centre-backs? Who would be your two starters? Uh, Bednarek and Yoshida, I think, for the pace, maybe. Adam? Yeah, I would take Yoshida as well. And then, mm, uh, for me, it's a toss-up, but probably mm, Bednarek or Stevens. Um yeah, I, I I would probably just go Bednarek at the moment, I think. Yeah, I was looking, I've written the list of names down here, I, I was sort of looking at them all unconvincingly, but I think Bednarek, absolutely, and then for me it would be uh, Yoshida or Stevens, I don't think either of those have made, uh, made as many mistakes and maybe have as low confidence as Hoyt and Bestergaard do, but it uh, be interesting to see what he does, um, obviously he's got all week to look at them and uh, work on some tactics, so I'm sure whoever does play will be uh, ready. Um, predictions then, Adam, Arsenal at home, where are you going with that one? Well, you know what, I was going to go yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go for uh, an unlikely one-all draw. Yeah, good, Steve. I'm all about the fantasy league these days. I've given up on the prediction league. It's all about <laughs> fantasy football. You're like the wind. There we go. Um, <laughs> right, Steve. Yeah, I just don't know. Um, mm. I mean, you, it's one of those where you kind of think Sunday games are always a little bit flatter, aren't they? And needs the fan base to kind of raise raise things a little bit and whether the players respond. And I mean, there's always this debate about. Um, which comes first, chicken or the egg? With uh, with that, isn't it? But yep. um, we've got a decent record at home against Arsenal since we came back up. So yeah, two all. Two. All. <laughs> yeah. Don't know. I, I don't. I don't think we'll win. But beyond that, anything goes. I think. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. I think um, Arsenal skirting a little bit for the last few weeks. So mm. maybe their luck's due to turn a little bit. Yeah. No. Fair enough. I, 
I've just written down what I think your prediction will be, Ben, so let me hear it. What have you written down, Adam? 3-1 to Arsenal. But I told you that before the pod started. (laughs) 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 Right, I'm going to return to form, Adam, because uh, I predicted them to lose against Man United. They got a draw. I predicted them to draw at Cardiff, and uh, they lost. So I'm going to go with uh, 3-1 Arsenal, as I told you before the podcast started. Thanks for listening. Always appreciated. And if you would like to get in touch with any of us here at the podcast, then please do. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. You can uh, find a couple of chats on Saints Web. Um, we're on email, which is totalsaintspodcast at yahoo.com. Don't forget, if you'd like to become a patron of TSP, uh, obviously very much appreciate your support. You can find us on patreon.com. Patreon is p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash totalsaintspod. Otherwise, we'll catch up on the next episode. Until then, have a good week and keep marching in. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. 